Here we are now. My name is Dosta, and I will be your tour guide for this new series, which begins today. This series is on Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I am very excited. I start to smile and giggle a little bit <laughs> when I think of how exciting this is going to be. I've been meaning to do this for so long and I'm so happy to be here. This really is going to be a lot of fun. The title of this series is You Are the Chosen One. And I chose this title, I chose this title because we are going to be looking at all the things in Harry Potter which are also in you. And when I say you are the chosen one, I mean it. And just take a moment to really consider what, what is the significance of that? Because you realize Harry Potter is the chosen one. And what I'm saying is, well, you are Harry Potter. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I hear an objection. Really, Dosta? My parents aren't this. I'm not in this wizard world. I'm not that. My name isn't even Harry Potter. Well, not exactly. You're not exactly Harry Potter. But in more ways than you know, you are Harry Potter. And the very reason that this story is resonated with so many people is because they see in themselves... Something they see in Harry. And with all what we could say mythological texts or children's stories or any story for that matter, there is an implicit wisdom. And in this series, we want to make it explicit. The story of Harry Potter implies things. It has wisdoms which are hidden just beneath the surface. And here with this commentary, we want to bring it out into the open. We want to make it real to you, clear to you, that you are Harry Potter. <laughs> and I hope by the end of this series you will be totally convinced, 100% without a shadow of a doubt, that you are the chosen one. For this series, we'll use the novels, of course, and we will also use the films. And 
we'll go back and forth between those interchangeably and we'll take it as a case-by-case basis. Some things the movie did very well and some things not very well. So the core of our narrative will be the books. And what we're concerned with is the story, the essence, Harry Potter as a mythology. So it doesn't matter too much what the differences are between the books and the films. We're really just trying to get at the existential insights and also the psychological insights, the wisdom, the wisdom of Harry Potter. And of course, these are children's books for children or for young adolescents. And it could be the case that we're saying, well, why are we doing Harry Potter? Harry Potter isn't a Bible. It's not a Quran. It's not a Bhagavad Gita. It's not the sutras of Kabir or anything like that. This isn't literature. This is popular culture. And I wager, well, actually, there is a deep truth in these stories. There is a timeless wisdom in them. And they follow arcs and themes which are actually very similar to the world religions. And furthermore, truth can be found as reflected off anything. When you realize truth, you can see it in all sorts of things. And I always like this old, uh, this old analogy of the mirror. And if we say that a book is a mirror, then we can say that each book has a different shape. Have you ever been to one of those carnivals where you go into the mirror maze and one of the mirrors is wobbly sideways, wobbly tall ways and when you stand in front of it you see, whoa, I'm really short and then the next one, oh, I'm really tall and then the next one, oh, there's lots of me and some are kaleidoscopes and colourful and they're all over the place. Well, that's just what a book is. It's showing you different parts of yourself. And it's perfectly possible for us, and I'm sure we will, to read in wisdoms that were not intended by the author. The work has taken a life of its own beyond the author's intentions. And therefore, we are here to see how this story, which is at a mythological psychological level of communication can express beautifully parts of human consciousness from the entire spectrum. And we will also do cross-literary comparisons. And some of it will be popular culture. Some of it will be literature. Some of it will be psychological maps. So we will be talking about spiral dynamics. We will be talking about English literature and various authors as they come up 
on a case-by-case basis. And really, I will make my way through this just by picking out whatever things come up and float my interest as we go. And I suspect, this is my hypothesis, that we'll spend time a little bit more on the socio-psychological sphere, the social sphere, which means that we'll be talking about these little interactions which Harry has between him and one other person or two other people, and we'll be going into the deeper significance of them. So what we're concerned here, what we're concerned here with is the relationship between the characters and the inner world of Harry. What's it like to be Harry? What is his experience of these things that he goes through? So it's personal, it's intrapersonal, it's social, and it's phenomenological. And I suspect that this will be our general central thing that draws us through this narrative. The things that we come back to again and again. And it might be that we talk about other things as well along the way. Another example would be, well, well, another approach would be, well, let's look at things from the general arc. And let's say we look at it at a moral point of view and we say, where is good? Where is evil? And we go through and we find all the clashes between good and evil. And so on. And that's very different to a focus on just individual social interactions. And there are many ways to go through it. Really, I'm quite open. I'm not going to stress myself into anything. And who knows? I never know when we start a series how it's going to turn out or what sort of things we'll find. I'm sure there are many things we'll find together. And that's the joy of speaking about these things. So we keep it in a relaxed... And, and, and with that in mind, with that said, this is not a scholarly academic analysis. It might seem like it's meant to be a sort of academic approach because we're doing these cross-literary references and doing that sort of thing. But really not. We're really just saying, now, this is me, and this is my interpretation, and it's personal. It's personal to Dosta. So you will, you will have my personality coming through, and you'll see me reflecting off it in such a way as you can say, well, that's you in this mirror, Dosta. This is what you've got out of it. So really, our central thesis is, what is Doster's impression of Harry Potter? That could be our true north, in a sense. And that really leaves us open to anything. Now, there is another thing we'll steer clear of, and that is J.K. Rowling herself. And as it stands right now, I actually don't know very much of J.K. Rowling. And I'm not going to do research into her. And of course, I do know a little bit. It's very hard not to hear certain things. 
But what we're trying to focus on is the, the story, the Harry Potter story. So I don't want to be reading into her message or anything, and I'm going to avoid learning anything about her at all. And we'll see, maybe she's conveyed something that she meant to, or maybe she didn't. So that's something we'll leave aside, is J.K. Rowling is secondary to this story. And then we also have this thing of the franchise of Harry Potter. And this also is a very big thing that needs to be set aside for this series. Franchising is, well, let me remind you or let me tell you how I understand franchising. Franchising is, well, we get this huge amount of interest in a brand. And in this case, it's Harry Potter. It's the name Harry Potter. And there's so much public attention that someone decides to say, well, hey, so many people like Harry Potter that if I name my cafe Harry Potter, they're going to turn up and have a coffee. Or they might have a pub and call it the Leaky Cauldron. That might be another version of this. But then, of course, you realize that Harry Potter is a trademark symbol. It's actually a brand. And so you say, okay, well, I'll pay the owners of Harry Potter so that I can put my cafe up. I'll build the cafe. I'll pay for the coffee. I'll train the coffee workers. I'll run the business. I'll do all of that. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pay whoever it is that gets the royalties for the trademark of Harry Potter some money so that I can put that name on it. And that, in a nutshell, is franchising. I'm just going to pay you just to put my name on it. And we can have a Harry Potter theme park. And we can have Harry Potter clothing. And we can have Harry Potter merchandise of all sorts, really. Let's make some Harry Potter ones. Now, of course, if you're going to have a Harry Potter theme cafe, you want to have something in it that is, well, to do with Harry Potter. Maybe it's got some things on the menu that are named out of the books. Maybe it's got some recipes that are from the names of the books. Maybe you do your interior design with some Quidditch brooms and some props and things like that so people can come and feel like, wow, we're in Harry Potter, like we're in Hogwarts or we're in, uh, what is it, Diagon Alley. But all this, all this is franchising. All this is the, the, the cultural, capitalistic manifestation of Harry Potter. And this is something we want to forget about. This is what, something we want to leave behind. And as it happens, I believe Harry Potter is one of the world's most successful franchises. It's worth something like $25 billion. It is astronomical. It's off the charts in the world of franchising. 
And this is all, well, it's propelled by capitalism, by making money, by advertising, by branding. And this detracts from our story. This is a distraction from the magic. And it's very easy to forget that there is a really deep magic in this story. And to get in touch with this, what you can do is think back to when you first read Harry Potter. Think back to when you first found out about it. The very, the very first book. Now, I believe I was about 13 or 14 when the first Harry Potter book came out. And my younger brother read it. And then my mother read it. And my mother gave it to me. And she said, have a look at that. And I read it. I read it for myself. And I thought, whoa, this is amazing. This really is a story of magic. This really is a story of other worlds. Wow. And I was blown away by it. And it really put me in touch with a deep magic. And I really felt how alive the story was. And I really was in love with these characters and with these places and with these things. And soon enough, the next book came out and I read that one. And by the time the third book came out, it was a global phenomenon. And then we're thinking, no, when's the the movie going to come out? And it was around the time that the movie came out that I lost interest. (laughs) Maybe that's why I lost interest. But I did read The Goblet of Fire, which is book four. And then, then I really lost interest and I didn't want to read it anymore. And of course, I was getting older, so I was doing different things in life. And I was just in a different place. And that's the thing with an aging audience. These books came out across a span of a certain number of years. So you realize that the people that read the first book at a certain age are now a different age when the fifth book comes out. And I don't know if I read, I don't think I even read the last few, maybe not even the last two. And maybe I did read them. No, actually, I think I I can't remember reading them, and I think I would have. And I watched the movies, I watched them as they came out, and even some of those I didn't see because I lost interest. And then to me, it was like this big popular culture thing, and it was over-franchise, over-branded, too much marketing, and the real magic was lost. The real essence of the story was lost, and Harry Potter didn't trigger anything of interest to me. And I basically knew the plot, I basically knew it. But then what happened is, well, life took a few rather dramatic turns for me. And some years passed, 
Of course, the last Harry Potter book came out in 2007, and I'd lost interest years before that, and even more years since then, of course, have passed. So it's now well over 10 years. It's 13 years since the last Harry Potter book came out, and 20 years since the first one, almost, I think. But in that time, so much life has happened to me. So many different things have occurred to me. And so many, well, how do I put it simply? So many existential shifts have occurred. (laughs) It's very difficult to talk about such things in simple ways. But basically... I broke through, and I don't expect you to understand what that is and what that means, but I broke through and just say, okay, well done, Dosta, for now, and maybe we'll learn what that means as we go along through this series. But I broke through and then went back to Harry Potter, and I went back to say, well, what's in this? And with all the knowledge and the wisdom and the experience that I've had, I then say, where is that magic? Let me go back. Let me find again that moment. Let me put aside the popular culture. Let me put aside my own ideas of what Harry Potter is. And let me retry, try try again to connect with that, that moment that magical moment where I first read the first Harry Potter book. And this is the kind of attitude we need to take. This is the thing that's going to get us close to the real deep message of Harry Potter. And there is a profound magic in it. There is a profound message in it. And I realize that the success, the franchise success, is really stemmed from that magic. That's why it's so successful. So that's something to keep in mind. And then another thing I'll mention is we're not going to do much in the way of the mythology or well I shouldn't say mythology how do I say I've used that word in a different way already in this conversation let's say we're not going to do we're not going to do like a fan fiction we're not going to delve into fan fiction and we're not going to delve into trivia so Because we're doing this in a relaxed way, you'll find that there are times when I make mistakes, such as what year was the first Harry Potter book released. These sorts of trivial facts don't matter too much to us. And it might be that I say, I might have the same problem with a character. I'll say, oh, Ron is this age or his sister is that age, when really at this point in our story, they were a different age or someone was related to someone else or not. And really, this is beside the point. These incidental details are 
only incidental, and we're going after the deep truth. We're going after the wisdom, the core. So I hope that doesn't sound too much like I'm trying to get myself off the hook for being sloppy. I'll be as accurate as I can, and I think it will be... I think it will be pretty accurate, and the the focuses that we're going on, it won't. You'll you'll hear how it won't matter too much when these mistakes occur. So, and of course, well, you can always write in. So if I get something wrong, just write to me, and we can have a laugh about it. And I'll say, oh yes, of course, this person is this age, or this date was this date, and so on and so forth. So I'm happy to have interactions over this. But remember that these little details, if you're getting, take this as an indication that you're missing the point. Because if you're getting caught up in these little details, you're not seeing the core wisdom. And the, think of the core wisdom as this big, heavy, slow moving, just, just rolling thing. It's like, it's like a moving mountain. We're going through a mountain. Yeah, just like the tectonic plates push into each other. Mountains take years to move. And that's the sort of wisdom we're going for. That's the sort of truth we're going for, the truth of a mountain. Now, the words and the characters and the plot and the scenes and all that stuff, that's like the the, the icing on the cake. That's the trees on the mountain. That's the little ants that are running across. They'll come and go. And they can help us. They can indicate something about the mountain. And they're certainly part of the mountain. We're not going to do away with the trees just because we like the mountain. But what we're getting in touch with is the deeper side of it. Because so many people do just get caught up in the story. Get caught up in the characters get caught up in the backs and forths. So let's see how we go with that. Another thing I'll mention is that there's no prerequisite for this series. And I assume you've read Harry Potter and that's why you'd like to listen to this. But if you haven't, then you don't need to, to enjoy what we're going to be talking about. Because of all the, all the scenarios, we'll explain them in, the, in and of themselves. And the plot will go through. And I think most people, if, you, if you've only seen the movies, then that will be enough. There's enough in that to give you a rough idea of the general plot. And I think most people know the general plot anyway. And if you're like me and you read them as a child and lost interest and now you're an adult, well, this can serve as a wonderful example of how integrating those things from the past into a deeper present can work and how you can go about doing that. And the approach we take here can be applied to all literature and all children's books and just a side note like we can even say that there's something there's something rather profound about children's books there's something rather profound about the fable the parable 
the the bedtime story and they survive for centuries because of the deeper truth that they contain in such a small condensed amount of words will harry potter survive centuries <laughs> well it's going to be around for quite some time considering its success i guess a deeper question is how many how many people will find its truth how many people know the treasure that is in it how many people know the the essence of harry potter out of all the people that have read it out of all the people that are hardcore fans and really do know all the trivia and write their own fan fiction and read their fan fiction and all that how many of them really reach the rock bottom that's an interesting question. Could it be that a story is widely popular and yet its truth is largely unknown? Ooh, that's a fascinating question. That's a fascinating question indeed. And as for the other references that we'll make you also don't need to be aware of them i mentioned spiral dynamics now if you are familiar with spiral dynamics then that's great you'll get along really easily when we talk about it but if you don't know spiral dynamics well you can make your way through this series and we'll explain it as we go i mean the the an explanation is an explanation so it doesn't matter too much if you know it or not but uh, a more important thing for me to say would be, well, yes, you should know about spiral dynamics. It's an important part of our toolkit. So maybe you can learn about spiral dynamics in your own time. And then, well, what can I say? This This can be a starting point, or it can be a supplement, or it can be an inspiration for you to learn spiral dynamics. That's how I'll put it. That's a better way to put it. And then another thing that comes to mind is the age group of who's listening. Now, how old are you exactly? Because most, I assume most of my listeners are adult listeners. And we cover a lot of adult subjects in this space that we've created here so we will be covering some adult themes within this series and they will they will only be brief but i'm not quite sure how we're going to tailor this and at, at the moment i'm thinking that basically we present this commentary here assuming you're an adult and assuming you're mature and assuming you are okay with adult themes and that might mean that well we shock a few of the kids 
It might be that. And, and more likely, I think that the kids have already tuned out because I've used so many big words and they're so confused. So I think in that case, we should be safe. And, well, maybe the kids need to be shocked. Maybe they need to have something that will wake them up. So if you're listening to this as a child and you can follow along, well, <laughs> well, maybe don't tell your parents that you're listening to the, the Andrew Lake podcast. <laughs> they might have a look to see if you're allowed and then they might stop you. Okay, so that that's what we can do. Let's let's put it like this. If if you are listening to this and you're not an adult, don't tell your parents. This can be our little secret. And I say that because if your parents do have a look into this, there is a chance they won't let you listen to it. So it's a funny tightrope to walk. It's a funny because because I don't want to. I want to shock you because you need to learn some things about life. But I also don't want to harm you or make things too. I don't. I don't know if I really want to be the one that's breaking you into certain things in the world. But this is this this exact problem that you and me are having right now, and that I'm tangling myself up with is actually a theme in this series, Harry Potter. It's a, it's a coming-of-age story. And one of the biggest themes is, well, what does the adult share with Harry? What does the adult tell Harry about his life, about the world? What does Harry learn from the older people in his life? And that is a cause of a lot of drama throughout this entire series. You could even you could even say that that's one of the central themes of this series. I think that covers just about everything in the way of introduction. I'll say again that I am so excited to be doing this and I'm so happy it really has been quite a long time since I've been meaning to do this, so very warm-hearted and very happy to be here. And the last thing I'll add is format. So it will be a quick introduction for each episode, and then we'll launch straight into it. And I think at the end of each episode... I will leave some silence. And we do that with most of the episodes that we've done recently for the purposes of meditation. And it's really important that you spend a few minutes meditating at the end of each episode. And that means just sitting quietly. You don't have to do an elaborate technique. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't know how to meditate, doesn't matter, just sit quietly. It doesn't have to be some neti-neti method or vipassana breathing technique, none of that. Just sit quietly. And that's so that you can let yourself come back to yourself. Let the words really ferment within you. And to really break up this constant 
talking, like because I'm always talking, you're hearing, you're hearing and words and words happening and happening again. You don't want to be going off onto the next episode or the next thing in your life too quickly. You just want to come back and have a breather. So at the end of each episode, I suggest you sit quietly for just a few minutes in that silence. And as for the structure, we will go through the plot at whatever pace I feel and we'll stop and start wherever I feel to. So it'll be entirely up to me. So it's not going to be one episode per chapter or one episode per book or anything like that. It's not going to be fixed. It's just going to be however it comes out and however I feel to say what I feel to say that day will be our guide. So we might spend we might spend only half an episode on one book or a full two or three episodes on one book and so on. So I don't know anything about the pacing and we'll take it as it comes. I might try and keep them under one hour and so the episodes are a bit shorter and it's always tricky. I mean, we could do, I mean, we could do, we could do an episode per book and we could have each episode be five or six hours or we could do an episode per chapter and then we've got well now our series is going to be something like what how many chapters are there in the harry potter books it's got to be over a hundred right maybe 250 300 something like that so that's too much on that end so somewhere in between is what we'll do and the guide is However Dosta feels. <laughs> that's what it all comes back to, is how Dosta feels. Well, that's what it comes back to for me. What it comes back to for you is how you feel. <laughs> I mean, you could always pause the episode. If you need to do something, just pause, come back to it. So who am I to worry too much about the structure? So how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel right now? I'm feeling pretty giggly. I'm feeling pretty happy because I'm so glad to be here. So that's already quite a long introduction and we're going to take our time and I hope all of this will come to flower for you. So before we launch into episode one, take some time to just sit and be quiet for a few minutes. And that's all I have to say for now.